You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.nbcocala.com. Well, we're continuing on our teaching in training. I trust that you are in training. Amen. Uh, As we've said, and and, uh, when you get in a series, you can only review so far uh, because then it will take up all your time. But uh, pivoting off of this whole idea that there are a lot of things we've been trying to do that we would do better to train at. And in life, we see over and over uh, there are certain things that we wouldn't want somebody to just try on us. We want to make sure that that person has trained in that everything from surgery to flying a plane or whatever it would be. Certain things that we would attempt to do, endeavor to do, we're better off if we have trained rather than just going to try. And the same is true of our Christian walk. Paul told Timothy to train yourself in godliness. And uh, we've been trying to be godly when in fact we're going to do much, much better if we train And that's largely the purpose of the New Testament. That's also largely the purpose and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives personally. Now, uh, what we're ultimately talking about are spiritual disciplines. These are spiritual practices that must be a part of our life. It's not just here and there. It's a regular part of our life. It's one of the practices of life. It's a, a discipline in our life. How many of you do some things every day? And maybe get yourself some coffee every day or, you know, or you walk the dog or, you know, you read, uh, you read the paper, whatever it would be. There, there are certain things. We are creatures of habit. The thing is, we've filled up our habit box, you know, with so many other, other things. And we've got to make sure that we're doing the things in life that really will count and really will make a difference. Are y'all here? Now, the result of spiritual disciplines, and we've just kind of summed it up into high school football, happy, stable, fruitful, blessed, so that ultimately, here's the real goal, we what? We could be a blessing. So what we're doing is we're looking at some spiritual disciplines. We've already looked at one called study, and that's reference to the word of God. And when we talk about that discipline, it means that as a regular part of your life, you study God's word. And when we say study, that term actually means this, that you would read, study, hear, meditate. Okay. And what we've done, uh, and I believe that to be the most important because the others really don't have foundation without study of God's word. Um, What we've found is that one is highly neglected. And all of us know we should study, but most people don't know how to study. So we're fixing that. So on Wednesday nights, uh, and I started last week under our, our year-long series called Real Life on Wednesday, Wednesday nights, last Wednesday, and I'll be doing it for the next two Wednesdays as well, we're talking about how to study the Bible. And if, if, uh, you, know, if you don't normally come on Wednesday night, now's the time that you need to make sure that you get here. This will be life-changing. We've already talked about the time and tools, and the next two weeks we're going to talk about methods of how to study the Bible. And um, this is where it gets good. This is where it really uh, will start to open up for you. So the next two Wednesday nights, for sure, make sure that you're with us there. And then we started talking about another discipline called prayer. And I'm going to go ahead and put this one up here. Prayer. And ultimately what prayer does is it hooks us up with God as our source. And this is the bottom line for everybody that God would be your source. Amen. 
Y'all are making me sad up here. Your bottom line, you better get this settled. Who is your source? And what prayer does, I mean, you can give the Sunday school correct answer all day long. God is my source. But you know what? The real deal is when in the middle of the week something comes up, who do you go to? Who do you call upon? Who do you really believe will come through and help you? And prayer is one of the direct ways that we connect our lives with God, that we call out to the Lord. David said this, I'm looking everywhere. I'm looking up to the mountains. I'm looking everywhere. Where does my help come from? He said, my help comes from the Lord. And you saw that video there this morning too. He made heaven and he made earth. And so that's just a little bit of his resume, a little bit of his track record. But God is our source. is the best place that you can be. And it's something you need to declare day in and day out. Source for what? What do you need? You need peace. You need wisdom. You need favor. You need uh, support and supply in your life. God, let God be your source. And prayer connects us with God as source. Prayer, by definition, is conversing and communicating with God. And if you'll slow down and think about that, your response will be like mine. Wow. To think that I get to converse and communicate with God. And and I, I hope you'll ponder that a little bit and realize really what that is. This is not some mindless religious chant that you go through. This is real deal stuff that when you connect your heart, you'll realize I'm actually conversing and communicating with God himself. And that's a that's a wow thing. Amen. Now, let me drop this in and then we're going to move on with some things regarding prayer. Without spiritual disciplines in your life, your spiritual life will stagnate or worse. I'll say it again. Without spiritual disciplines in your life, your walk with God, your spiritual life will stagnate or worse. Typically, it's the or worse part. Because nothing really is static. Nothing really stays the same. If you leave something alone, it doesn't stay the same. It gets dusty. It gets rusty. You know, somebody steals it, whatever it would be. Uh, So we've got to make sure that we have these spiritual disciplines in place. There are regarding prayer, and everybody say prayer again. There are regarding prayer essentially two major motivators. The first one, and you should be involved in this, is what I call reactive prayer or situational prayer. And that means something comes up, what should you do? You should pray. You react to it. Last week I said it's kind of like you're a gunslinger and you're just ready. You know, and this is praying, okay? And so something come up, you're, you're ready for it. What was that? You know, you're ready to pray rather than to freak out. Luke 18, 1, Jesus said men ought to pray and not freak out. Well, I changed it a little bit, but, but you know what I mean. So um, we, things come up situation. You get that phone call. The other day, uh, Monday, we had to go down to Tampa for something. And on the way down, we saw a wreck that had just happened. And the highway patrol was just arriving. On our way home, we saw another wreck that had just happened. And what should you do in those cases? You should rubberneck. No, you should pray. You should pray for those that are going to need help and pray for those that will be helping. You know, you you see things on the news, you receive things in the mail. Like I said, you get the phone call, whatever it would be. We need to have reactive prayer in our life, situational prayer. But that's not really the prayer that we're talking about now. That should be a part of your life. That should be a given. If things come up, you start to feel pressure, tension, whatever. You need to pray. 
And beyond that, though, this is what I'm talking about. Prayer as a spiritual discipline. And this is the other motivator. So you've got reactive prayer, situational prayer. And then you've got prayer as a discipline, as a practice in your life. This is almost scheduled prayer. This needs to happen first and early in your life. This needs to be something that you're very serious about. That this is part of who I am and what I do. Because, you know, think about it. Who wants to live their life unplugged from your source? And a lot of people do. And then when things come up, they're trying to find how to plug in to their source. They know that he is source, but they're, oh, no. You know, you do better to just stay plugged in. And one of the ways to do that is regularly, as a discipline, as a practice in your life, seek him first, seek him early, and spend some time in prayer. And we're we're helping you to do a number of things uh, to make this real worthwhile. Now, last week I started an acrostic here that I'll show you today. And we got this far last week. And the A, does anybody remember what the A was for? Adoration. Adoration. And I'll go ahead and write it up here. Second one was confession. Say confession. And third one was what? Thanksgiving. Thanks what? Giving. Anyway. Um, Thanksgiving. And these are huge. Adoration. uh, This is not just um, some just cold exchange. You need to express adoration. I think it helps you to warm up spiritually. I think it helps you to focus spiritually. And I think God is worthy of, of a proper approach that we begin with words of statements of adoration. And one way to do that is through his names. I will, I will often, especially in that early morning prayer time, I'll just start to say things, you know, and it helps me to focus. It helps me to warm up heavenly father, wonderful Jesus, holy God, almighty God. And you just start to warm up with those kind of things. And, and plus he's worthy. And we have so many names and so many attributes that we can lift up in adoration. And then confession is things that are sin, things that are wrong, that we confess those things and get those out of the way. Because if you don't get them out of the way, we looked at a number of scriptures last week. If you don't get them out of the way, it says that God can hear. But if we don't confess sin, he will not hear. So it's good for us to just... Go ahead and confess because guess what? He already knows. And as I told you last week, you're not going to shock him. Some people, I don't want to upset him. (laughs) He already knows. And so go ahead and confess that. And as we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then, you know, you're going to feel more confident in prayer as well. And then Thanksgiving, you're to enter his gates with thanksgiving enter his courts with praise be thankful to him and bless his name which is adoration as well the message bible put it this way enter with the password thank you and i think it's important i don't think you should ever speak to god without thanking him for at least three things how many of you have at least three things and and don't do the same three things every time okay you know you've got plenty you've got plenty and god has been good to you I said, God has been good to you and you need to thank him. 
Now I want to move on here and we have two that we're going to look at here this morning. And uh, for the sake of space, we have adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and then right here, supplication. Supplication. How many of you used that word this week? Okay, probably not. Supplication by definition is the aspect of prayer where you request, where you petition. The Old Testament use of supplication was to plea. And it really, this is the ask part. This is the ask part. Whereas adoration and thanksgiving, they pretty much have to do with um, the relationship part of it. And confession has to do with the maintenance part of it. This is the ask part. Let me put it this way. Supplication is the business part of prayer. That's the business part of prayer. That's where you make requests. That's where you bring petition. That's where you ask God concerning things. In Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, and I'm going to go ahead to the Amplified Bible on this. It says, do not fret or have any anxiety about anything. But in every circumstance and in everything, by prayer and petition, now in other translations, petition, there is supplication. By prayer and petition, definite requests with thanksgiving, continue to make your wants known to God. It goes on to say, and then the peace of God's going to come and it's going to guard your heart and guard your mind. How many of you know that when you went from anxiety and worry to the peace of God guarding your heart and mind? Ah, that's better. That's better. How did you get there? Prayer. Prayer. What kind of prayer? Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. As the Amplified Bible pointed out here, it is petition and definite request. This is where you request an answer for a need. This is where you make requests. You ask of God. As I said, it's the business part of it. This is where you, you ask God, help me with this. Where you talk to God about the pain, about the person about that project, about your hope, about your disappointment, uh, about the situation that you're in. You talk to God about these things at that point and you ask him for his help. And this is a whole nother subject right now, but you do well to base your request upon the word of God. First uh, John five, verse 14 and 15, just write that down. You can look it up later. We know that we're going to get the answers to the petitions and requests that we make when it's in line with God's word. And that's in essence what you're going to find in those verses I just told you there. And so, but when you ask, be careful that you don't direct. Don't try to tell God how you think he ought to do it. If we start, let's say you've got an issue with a person. If God listened to us and we said, God, let me tell you what I think you should do with this person. How many of you know there are a lot of people missing off the planet? Okay. All right. The other, the other problem with that is when we're trying to tell God how to do it, our vantage point is down here. And his thoughts and ways are way above our thoughts and ways. And we're saying, God, as I see it. And he's saying, son, as I see it. And he's got a much better vantage point of how to do that. So make your request to God. Do it in line with his word. But don't direct God. Don't direct God. 
You know, you can, you can say your word said this, you promised this, but let him figure out how he's going to do it and when he's going to do it. Amen. Come on. Amen. A couple of verses real quick. Matthew chapter seven, verse seven and eight. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Don't you wish that was in the Bible? It is ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find knock and it will be open to you for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks, it will be open. James chapter four, verse two, it says you do not have because you do not ask. And so adoration, confession, thanksgiving, but then supplication, it's definite request where you talk to God Bring his promises, bring your situation to him, and he will help you in that. Amen. I want to move on to another one here. And this one is another S. Now, I've known of this acrostic for years, probably 20 years of adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And I want to add one more S to this. And I'm going to call this one spirit. Spirit. Everybody say spirit. Spirit. What spirit? spirit. Holy spirit. Holy spirit of God. And the Holy spirit is our helper. Wouldn't it be great if he would help us with our family? He will. Wouldn't he help us in so many things? How many of you know that he will also help us with prayer? Church, get with me. He will help us in prayer. Romans 8, 26 actually says that we don't know how we should pray. Have you ever had a situation? I I really don't know what to pray about this. And it said that the Holy Spirit will help us. So the Holy Spirit, who is our helper, will also help us in prayer in numerous ways. He will help us. Now, what I want to do today is, is venture into really a tender topic because this topic has been misunderstood. It's been wrongly emphasized to one degree or another. And I just want us to go with the Bible. Everybody say the Bible. We, sh- we should want truth on this. And so I- I'm asking the Holy Spirit, our helper, to help me to share something with you about how he helps in prayer. We good? Okay. Um, we find a number of things uh, in Scripture regarding prayer. And the ways that the Holy Spirit would help us. And in particular, what I want to, the phrase I want you to take away from this, the Holy Spirit helping us in prayer, is what I want to call a prayer language. Prayer language. Okay? Now, we really don't see that, those two words expressly expressed in scripture, a prayer language. But it's a supernatural way that God would help us. Here's the word. Now, everybody get ready for this because this will shock some of you, okay? Here's the word that that Scripture brings to us, and then I'm going to unfold some things on this this morning. And it is the word tongues. Go ahead and say tongues. And some of you are like, ah, okay. Hold on because we're, we're going to, we want to find Bible truth on this. So look at me and listen. This is not a Pentecostal thing. This is not a charismatic thing. This is a Bible thing. And if it's a Bible thing, I don't think we should ignore it. I think we should pursue and find out what does the Bible say. Not what people have done with stuff, 
But what does God say? What did, and it's also listed on list of gifts. And if there's some gifts that he would give, why would we ignore those and, and avoid those? Amen. So don't make it what it is not. And just say prayer language again. Don't make it what it is not. And don't avoid it because someone else has handled it wrong. And don't avoid it because of maybe your past tradition or exposure or some experience you've had. And be careful of tradition because you know what? Jesus said in one place that you have made the word of God of no effect because of your tradition. So we've all, you know, honestly here at Meadowbrook, we're mutts. I mean, you know what a mutt is. I had a, I had a dog early on when I was a little, little kid, a, a dog that was a mutt. What does that mean? It's all kinds of stuff. How many of you know we're all kinds of stuff? We're everything. I mean, any denomination you could name and every brand of heathen. You know, and Jesus is doing a work and I think that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But what we, then what guides us? Scripture, the Bible. And so this is such an important thing that the Holy Spirit helps us in prayer and we all need help in prayer. So let's see some of the ways that he, that he does this. And let's be careful because I've had some, I'm a mutt. You know, I've, I've been a part of in my lifetime, a church that was essentially frozen and dead. I recognize some of y'all used to go there with me when I was a kid. Okay. No. To other church that got so crazy that it blew up into about 20 pieces and then everything in between and then i traveled with some music groups and we were in eight churches a week when every night of the week plus sunday morning i've seen some churches i've been in some services and you know what i honestly believe that was god helping me and guiding me and exposing me to things and say notice this and feel this and See what's going on here kind of thing. Because in, in the end, we want to be healthy. And you don't have health unless you have balance. Do you hear that? You don't have health unless you have balance. So, as we look at this, I want us to make sure that because of our tradition, our experience, or whatever, what we've observed, that we do not negate God's word and ignore some gifts that he has for us. So, how many of you would like the Holy Spirit to help you in prayer? Okay. Now, let me explain something too so that we we get this part cleared up. For every truth, everybody say truth. For every truth, there is a road. And on either side of the road, there is a ditch. So if the road is truth, follow me on this. If the road is truth, then one ditch we have is where people took the truth and drove it into the ditch of excess and abuse. They took something good, but they took it too far. How many of you know that all extremes lead to error? All extremes lead to error. And so you take a truth and you drive it into the ditch of excess and abuse. Guess what? You missed the truth. Who is in the other ditch then? People that were driving along on the road of truth and said, I don't want to end up in that ditch. So guess what they do? They ditch it over here. I want to be as far away from that as I can. And so they end up in another ditch that I call the ditch of avoidance. 
So you end up with people in the ditch of excess and abuse and you end up with people in the ditch of avoidance and both of them miss the road, which is truth. So what we're doing this morning, Tim's tow truck. (laughs) We're getting people out of ditches and up into the road here of truth because it's the truth that sets us free. Amen. With all that being said, I have two boxes here. And I want them to represent something for us this morning. We find in the New Testament scripture lists of gifts. Gifts. And so let these represent some gifts this morning. And there are several lists. No two lists are alike. Some lists contain some things that are in other lists, but no two lists are alike. Which speaks to me of this. That all lists are incomplete. They're incomplete. And those lists have to do with motivational gifts and manifestation gifts and ministry gifts and so forth. And I just think the list, here's the point, I think, is they're incomplete. I believe that there are things that you are gifted with by God, by the Holy Spirit, that aren't necessarily written down in Scripture. You have some things that God has gifted you to be able to do. There there are ways that you do things that you do that I believe God helped you to do that. Y'all are gifted. Okay, in all the list of the gifts, one of them that comes up, and we already said this word, so you should be over the shock by now, tongues. And this is a great area of confusion. And so I want to clear it up just a little bit. Actually, if you study closely and rightly divide the word, you're going to find a lot of people just think that tongues is something that somebody interrupts in a service and they say something in some foreign language to them. And, you know, and then somebody interprets and everything. And that's in the Bible, okay? But everybody thinks that's the only tongues. Wrong. That's right. Read the Bible right. There are actually two. Yes. There are two different ones. Now, follow me carefully. One is private and devotional. And one is public. One is for private uh, edification and building up. And one is public for public exhortation. One is man speaking to God. And one is God speaking to man. And for our purposes today, everybody say private. Private. Everybody say public. Public. For our purposes today, here's private. And we're going to keep this one out. And public, which is different. Everybody say different. different. Public. We're not talking about public today. I want to separate these out, okay? We're talking about what? Private today. We're not talking about this one. Is this one real? It, it, It. Has it been misused at times? Yeah, but is it real? Um, Should we totally ignore it? No. No. Should we handle it in the Bible way? Yeah, but that's not our subject today. Okay, so we're going to put this over here. So many of you know we're not talking about this one today. This one right here, we're not talking about that one today. Because you've got to get the two apart so we can get some clarity on this. And which one, private, public, which one's more important? And it is so powerful and so wonderful in our lives. And that is why the enemy has created such confusion and distortion around this because how powerful and how helpful it is for you in your prayer life. So let's talk a little bit about this this morning. You with me? All right. Um, 
As a part of your spiritual discipline of daily prayer, part, not whole, but part, I think you should use your prayer language that comes from who? Comes from God, that God would give you, that the Holy Spirit would give you a prayer language. And I prefer prayer language to tongues because honestly, so much of our exposure has given tongues a negative kind of connotation. And I, and I, and actually it's a dated word. It's a Greek word, glossolalia, and it means an unknown language. And it just got kind of stuck there as just tongues. But I want, for me, I think it makes sense to us a little better to call it our prayer language and it's private. You with me? Okay. Now, In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 14 and 15, I'm going to read this from the Amplified Bible. It says, for if I pray in an unknown tongue, everybody say prayer language. My spirit, my spirit by the Holy Spirit within me prays, but my mind is unproductive. It bears no fruit and helps nobody. Then what am I to do? I will pray with my spirit by the Holy Spirit that is within me, but I will also pray intelligently with my mind and with my understanding. Now, I'm just going to stop right there in the scripture. Here's what happens. When we have the prayer language, we, it says, my spirit is praying. This is deeply spiritual. My spirit is praying, notice what it said, by the Holy Spirit that is within me. So this is the Holy Spirit helping my spirit to pray. This, this is an awesome thing. And it's a supernatural thing. And you're not always, you're, you're not going to understand what all you're saying. And, and, but it is a spiritual thing. Well, I, I, I don't know then why, why I want it. I'll show you benefits here in just a moment. But, um, Paul said, I will pray with the spirit. He said, my spirit prays by the Holy spirit that is within me. And I think you should spend time every day using that gift. Use the gift. And listen, I'm not just teaching you something. This is something I've done for decades and decades as as a powerful part of my life i don't think i know how to take a shower without my prayer language that's a wonderful time well that sounds private it is it is and we don't have video of that in first corinthians 14 2 in the message it says if you praise him, watch this. If you praise him in the private language of tongues, prayer language, private language, God understands you, but no one else does. For you are sharing, next word, intimacies just between you and him. This sounds awesome. And it's very private. It's personal. It's intimate that you speak to God and you worship God in an intimate way. Let me explain intimate just a little bit. And again, to separate public and private. You know, maybe on a, some morning during Christmas break or whatever, Alicia and I just kind of stay in bed and all of a sudden our kids start coming in. And then somebody brings in a book and then we got the TV on and, you know, hey, let's just eat here and, you know, and go get hot tea. And then somebody goes, gets Alicia's dog. And before you know it, we're all in our hair is sticking everywhere and our clothes, bed clothes all wrinkled and everything. But you know what? We are happy. We are comfortable. That actually is private. That is intimate. But then let somebody ring the doorbell. Guess what? That's a whole different thing now. That's a whole different. What do we do? You start, you know, you. Just back. Go away. 
We're not here. But, but there's something that's just you and God. Just you and God that's so powerful and, and awesome for us in our lives. Now, let me give you some of the benefits here real quick. The benefits are it's deeply spiritual and edifying. First uh, Corinthians 14, four Jude 20. It's deeply spiritual. It's edifying. Secondly, and we've already looked at this Romans eight twenty six. It helps you to pray beyond your ability. Did you notice in that first Corinthians 14, 14 and 15, it says that I can pray intelligently. That's the things that I know. Guess what that's called? Supplication. So, but there's also my spirit by the Holy Spirit in me. We join together and I can pray out things that I don't know. And the Holy Spirit will help us in that. And then also another benefit is that you give thanks well. First Corinthians 14 verse 17. And this is a wonderful, intimate, personal, powerful time that God would do something. And you ready for this? And he's never going to embarrass you. He's never going to embarrass you. And another guarantee of that, because it's private. It's personal. It's intimate that the Holy Spirit would help you in this. Now, let me read you a passage here. Very important passage. Luke chapter 11, verse 11 verse, uh, through 13. If a son, could I insert, or daughter? How many of you are a son or daughter of God? It says, if a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he, the father, give him a stone? Will he switch out? No. Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? No. Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? No. If you then being evil by comparison, know how to give what? Good gifts to your children. How much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit? Good gift. The Holy Spirit to those who what? Who ask. Who ask. Now. The context is a son asking his father for a good gift. And the father's going to give what he would ask for. And the good gift is parallel there with the Holy Spirit being the good gift. And he gives the good gift to who? To those who ask. Now let me share something with you real quick. And I'm going I'm to say something that I don't think I've heard another preacher say. But I believe it and I'm comfortable and confident to say it. When I first received the Holy Spirit. I was in a service and I'm, and I'm just going to get real blunt here where a guy popped me in the head and yelled at me. And then they took me in a back room and some people talked to me and that helped me a little bit. But I'll tell you why I didn't get my prayer language till I got by myself and tried to sort all that out and ask God. Now we do see in the Bible, you lay hands on people and they can receive it. But here's the thing that I want to say to you. Okay. That I don't think I've heard anybody say, but since this is an intimate and personal and private thing, doesn't it make sense then that I don't have to ask for it in public? I'll say it again. Since this is intimate and personal and private, then should I have to ask for it in public? I think you as a son or daughter of God can go to your heavenly father and. Scripture says that you can ask. You can ask. And I believe that he'll give. I think in ministry sometimes we feel like we've got to help God. We've got to help the Holy Spirit somehow. We've got to make sure we do. Every, I think you as a, 
as an honest child of God, just go and say, God, if this is real and if this is powerful, I dare you. I dare you. Ask him. I want this prayer language. I, I, I want help in my prayer life. If this is a gift, I want this gift. And you know what? He wants this gift for you. Now, of course, the Bible also teaches you can lay hands on people. We can help you. We've got materials and literature and so forth. And be glad to do that. But you know what? I felt really prompted yesterday and the day before as I prepared to just get you to go before God and to ask and to ask. Is anybody still here this morning? In your quiet alone time with God, ask. It enhances and enriches your prayer time and it enhances and enriches your intimacy with God. Prayer as a discipline. Not just reactive, but as a discipline. If we have these things, and listen to me, this is not a formula. These are just ingredients. That there is adoration, there is confession, there is thanksgiving, there is supplication that you would ask. And there is also the Holy Spirit helping you in prayer. And I'm telling you, as a discipline in our life, here's what will happen. Prayer will change you and prayer will change things. And I want to encourage you to make sure that you make prayer a part of the discipline and practice of your life. God will meet you there and things will change. Amen. Amen. Did you get anything at all out of this today? All right. Good, good.